word. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with thanksgiving. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. As we look into your word, Father, make it real in our hearts. Make it a living reality in our lives as we fill our hearts with gratitude. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Before you sit down, look at your neighbor. Three people tell them, God has been good to you and he is a good God. I think this month our theme is really an important one because we are focusing on gratitude. In our introductory message last week, our subtopic was on the story of the ten lepers and we asked that question, where are the nine? And we did give practical examples on how to thank God every day. I hope you tried this week to be like the one who came back to say thank you. Testimony is one of the ways to thank God. When you tell the goodness of God, you're showing gratitude. Oftentimes, and we tell everybody about it. And I don't see any reason why we can't tell God about God's goodness. So today's topic is living with an attitude of gratitude. And we're using Psalms 100 as the main text from which we are going to address this subtopic. Francis Schaeffer once said, and I quote, the beginning of man's rebellion against God was and is a lack of a thankful heart. End of quote. This sentiment is eloquently expressed by one other writer who wrote a poem. His name is W.E. Henley. He wrote a famous poem called Invictus. In Latin it means unconquered. It's a testimony of the unconquerable human spirit. And the imagery in this poem is that of a person standing at the gates of hell unafraid because this person feels self-sufficient. And in the final stanza, this poem says, and I quote, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. End of quote. This poem summarizes the sentiment of our day. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he says one of the scourges of the last days, one of the signs of the last days is that people will be unthankful. And the attitude in this poem is that attitude that sees oneself as the source of strength. 
seeing oneself as the source of happiness and prosperity. As Christians, we mustn't be influenced by this kind of sentiment and live with an ever-present danger of thinking that we are what we are and we have what we have solely because of what we have done. It's an attitude that runs against scriptural teaching. It's an attitude inconsistent with the spirit-filled life. Paul says, in everything, give thanks. Note, he didn't say, for everything. But he says, in everything. Because there are things that are not brought by God. And we can't thank God for those things. Mara, in the midst of going through those things, we are still thankful to God. Those of us who know Jesus, who have been born again, washed by his blood, and have been given the gift of eternal life, should never ever be a people who settle for this sentiment of being ungrateful. We have so much to be grateful for. We have the gospel, the good news. We have the privilege of sharing it with the rest of the world. Here we are this morning. We have the privilege to stand and, and praise God and, and thank him and raise our voices and raise our hands. How many people woke up today? How many people went to bed last night and said, tomorrow I'll do such and such, and they never lived to see today? Here we are, much as we may have things in our lives that are not where we want them to be, but at least we have a mouth to praise God with. Hands that we can raise to God. And so here in Psalms 100, we are given this admonition to thank the Lord, to thank him for who he is, to thank him for what he has done. We are told how to thank him. We are told when to thank him. We are told where to thank him. And so I want us to look at this passage and draw some practical applications that you and I can apply in our lives on a daily basis. Number one, it starts by saying, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Why? Because God is worthy of praise. That's number one. God is worthy of our praise. The Holman Christian Standard Bible reads, shout triumphantly to the Lord all the earth. Kaufman Kohler states in the Jewish Encyclopedia, he writes this. He says there's no language that has as many words for joy and rejoicing as does the Hebrew language. In the Old Testament, 13 Hebrew root words are there. And you also find 27 different words that are used primarily for some aspect of joy or joyfulness which is joy and joyfulness of those participating in religious worship. It's very interesting that the Hebrew religious ritual of worship demonstrates God as the source of joy and how when they came to worship, even in the Old Testament, a time of worship was a time where people need to be filled with joy. It wasn't to be a somber, sad moment. It always used to strike me as a child, why is it that when we go to church, all of a sudden when we go through the gate of the church and when we get into the church, all of a sudden, these joyful, bubbly, effervescent people, 
joyful personalities all of a sudden become moonrised. I never used to make sense. You know, there are some of you, you have such bubbly personalities. They call it effervescent personality. I can't let you effervescent. You know, right now they are, they are, they are promoting this thing here, immune. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a tablet, but it's, a, it's a, a supplement that you put in water. And, you know, it's like it's in tablet form. When you take it and you throw it inside water, what happens? Yeah, that's what they said in the 7 o'clock service. Shh. Look at your neighbor and say, that's your personality. Shh. Some of you, you are, you are nice people, bubbly, happy people. And I think that for me, and I'm diverting from my sermon, Lin Swareling, that's the big challenge I had when I went to Bible school, you know. And I was, I was quite young, 1980, I was 19 years old. And I went to Bible school, you know, and, and I just couldn't understand the, 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 the students at Bible school. They were so moonrised. I'm being honest with you, until there was even one of them who once called me to his room. And when I got to his room, he opened the Bible and was actually challenging me about being shh, effervescent. <laughs> he didn't like the way that I laughed and I had fun, you know, and I, I joked around. In fact, he went so far as to tell me that Jesus never laughed. <laughs> and I'm telling you. And he opened the Bible and he says, Jesus never laughed. I thought about it and I thought, you know, maybe Jesus never laughed, but everybody that he touched, yeah, everybody that he touched, yeah. But it's, I've never understood why is it that when we talk about church and worship, all of a sudden we change our joyful look and assume this somber face. And yet when you read the Bible, that's not how worship was conducted. It was supposed to be joyful, exuberant expressive. We need not try and impress God with our somber face. We need to be joyful in the presence of the Lord. And in case you don't know, God is not affected by noise. grace. We need to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And so, this is in contrast with other faiths and other beliefs that in many places and in many other belief systems, once people start going about with their faith and their rituals, it's all said and dead. But when you read worship in the Old Testament, it was essentially a joyous proclamation. It was a celebration. You read the Psalms, it talks about raising up your hands and lifting up your hands. It talks about clapping your hands and dancing and shouting. It talks about raising your voice and, and being grateful. And so among the Hebrews, you'll know that they, are, they, 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 they regarded the act of thanking God as the supreme joy of their lives. In other words, pure joy is joy in God. It's joy, God being the source of my joy and God being the object of my joy. In Hebrews, in Psalm 16 verse 11, the psalmist says, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundance of joy. In your right hand are eternal pleasures. Joy is not a thing. Joy is not an item. Joy is a person. Joy doesn't come because you have a thing. Joy comes because you have a relationship with somebody. 
We have to express our gratitude to the Lord in an audible way, in a public manner. We need to learn to make a joyful noise. That word noise means to break forth with, to burst. It sends the imagery of someone who is so full of an emotion that they are unable to contain themselves. You know this as sporting events. When people express their emotion, when someone plays a good game, and all of a sudden, when your team scores, you find yourself on your feet. You don't know how you got there. Mara, you couldn't help it. You were full of joy. Several years ago, when I had homemakers, I invited uh, 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 Pastor Don Phillips to come to our church and preach. And uh, I made a mistake because, no, it's not a mistake, but bending away. That, 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 that Saturday when he came happened to be the Saturday of the derby. Just Orlando Pirates and Kaiser Chiefs. You know, I don't, I don't like organizing things when there's a derby because people don't come to church and all kinds of things happen, so I don't like that. Nevertheless, he, we did, it was Minister of Helps. He finished his session at 2 o'clock. Now, I had thought about it before he came to say, you know what, it's very possible we'll be done by 3 o'clock, which is the time Eric dismissed and the match only starts at 5 o'clock. So I thought, and it was a last-minute decision, why don't I buy tickets? The tickets were sold out. The only tickets I got were the Nelita the Exastrom. So I couldn't get tickets saying Kekrata the Exastrom. Mara. Even if I had bought the tickets, I wasn't sure about him and soccer. Because there are certain pastors, you don't talk about anything else. Mara Izuluka. <laughs> All right, so I wasn't sure. I didn't know him long enough to know if he goes to soccer. In fact, I didn't even know if he talks about soccer. I didn't know. So I wasn't sure. So after the service, as I took him to the hotel, I intentionally drove uh, through Deep Kloof. And as we were driving through Deep Kloof and he sees all these people, and I started the conversation, I said, can you see all these people? He said, Yeah. Now, what I didn't know that is that he wanted to go to the match. <laughs> Mara, he wasn't sure about me, so we were not sure about each other. <laughs> so I said, you see all these people? He said, yeah. He said, uh, he said by the way, there's a game today. I said, yeah, Kana. You know, we are acting like we don't know. <laughs> yeah, Kana is the derby. So, so now I didn't know what, where to go. And, and, I, and I thought, I have the tickets anyhow. I might as well let the cat out of the bag. I said to him, uh, do you think there would be any possibility? You want us to go to the match? I said, yeah, that's what, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> Cut a long story short. Finally, we went to the match. Game had already started. Got into the stadium. The match is on. Found seats quickly. Sat down because game is on. And then our team scored. And then we stood and said, go! And then we realized we were the only two people standing in the whole section. <laughs> and these other people say, hey, Nina, sad! Sad! And they were saying some other expletive, sad, Nina, sad! So we said, you know, what? We, we don't even know what made us stand. But it's because of the goal. Mama Lambaza, some of you, you are standing for a piece of leather filled with air. 
Lebele Kenya Makarapa. Lengwala din tomom kaweng tsada dancer. And then when you come to church, you are trying to be so special. Chin betuna, what's wrong with you? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Oh yeah. There's a certain spontaneity. There's a certain passion that we need to do. We need to express our emotion more than the people at the soccer match. We need to thank God more than people at the soccer match. We need to get excited. We need to get enthused. I don't know how many of you know the history of the word enthused or enthusiasm. It comes from a Greek word that means to be possessed by God. So how do you You are too enthusiastic. Well, you are just saying you are too possessed by God. Yeah, I want to be possessed by God. I don't know about you. But when you look in the Christian community, we are not sure how many people are possessed by God. Because so many people's worship is dead and dry. Sullen and somber. So proper and organized. So calculated and boring. It's all rehearsed. Doesn't emanate from the heart. But I want you to know we are here to praise our God. Can I hear a good amen in the house? The psalmist says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. And then the second part is, he's worthy of service. Verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his face. Come before him with joyful songs. In other words, serve the Lord. So not only do we praise him with loud voices, we serve him. Service to the Lord implies three things. Number one, it implies humility. You can't serve someone unless you have a humble attitude. Number two, it implies fidelity. Service implies faithfulness. (laughs) Otherwise, it would not be service. It would be betrayal. Thirdly, it implies activity. In other words, you can't serve someone if you don't do anything. Now note, when it says serve the Lord, many people think that this is only confined to those who are in vocational ministry like us. But the Bible tells us that all who know God as Lord and Savior are ministers. That we are all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, hello, minister. Look at the other one and say, hello, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at your other neighbor and say, you are a minister. Look at the other one and say, you are a servant. Now note, God is more concerned with what we are than what we do. Because, because what we are will determine what we do. When God gave the law in Deuteronomy 28, 47, he told the people that they would be cursed if they didn't serve the Lord with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of things he gave them. There are many people who claim to know Jesus as Savior, but they live lives devoid of joy and gladness. That's because they are focused on the wrong thing. They are not serving God. There are those who serve God out of wanting to be rich. They do it out of greed. They do what they do for the church because they want to see what God can give them in return. The minute you serve God for what you can get is going to be a life filled with unhappiness. 
Why? Because God can give you all the physical things in this world, but physical things and earthly possessions can never satisfy the human heart. A person whose treasure is earthly things has a deep spiritual need, but that need will never be ever, ever met by material things. In short, the more we seek happiness through physical things is the further away happiness walks away from us. It's like drinking salt water to quench your thirst. The more you drink this salt water, the thirstier you become. There are some who serve God out of a grudge. And their attitude is, why do you do, why must I do this for God? Haven't I done enough? These people think that they have paid God a debt by serving him. And they feel like God owes them something. So when something goes wrong, they are the kind entering as though he cares. You think he cares? You think it's going to change him from being God? No. They are blind to the blessing of God and how undeserving we are. John Maxwell says, you know, so many people live with a sense of entitlement and yet they are not aware that in this world we live with a debt. We owe people. This is what he says, and I quote, the instant we are born, we already owe someone for nine months of boarding and lodging. Some of you didn't get that. Those who serve out of greed or out of a grudge, they see service to the Lord as a drudgery. These people lose their joy of salvation. See, our relationship with God doesn't have to be that. It shouldn't be a relationship that lacks passion, that lacks zeal. And the time when serving God becomes a burden is because we've allowed it to be so. We are to serve God with a heart filled with gratitude. So we should be able to serve the Lord with gladness. Pasalana, I must tell you, I'm glad to be able to serve the Lord. I'm glad to be able to wake up early hours of the morning and lead prayer, even if my eyes are red and I'm yawning my way. And I am glad to do that with all my heart. I'm glad to have spent the days of my youth in serving the Lord and spent a better part of my life in serving the Lord. And he doesn't owe me anything. The third thing, Iri, the reason we serve him, the reason we do it with gladness is because he alone is God. One translation says, acknowledge that Yahweh is God. No one else deserves service like he does. He is God. He is the first in our lives. Before anything, he's the first before our career, before our family, before our children, before our spouse, before our desires. He's the first before anything we want. Put God first. He is first. He is our motivation for service with gladness. This is the only way we can live with this attitude of gratitude because the Lord, our God we serve, is God. Yeah. Remember that we are here is because of his grace. Yeah. He made us. We are his. 
We should never pat ourselves on the back or give ourselves credit for the blessings that fill our lives. He made us. He owns us. When we were sold out to sin, he brought us back through the blood of his precious son, Jesus. We have no claim on our lives. We have no right to our lives. Our lives have been bought with a price. We have been redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb. We are his children. We are his sons and daughters. We belong to him. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are his representatives on earth. As his sheep, he leads us. As his sheep, he provides for us. As his sheep, he guides us. As his sheep, he comforts us. As his sheep, he protects us. As his sheep, he prospers us. He alone is the source of all our blessings. And that's why we praise him. That's why we bless him. That's why we serve him with joyfulness. Our hearts are filled with gratitude. He alone is the source of all our blessing. There's an ancient Chinese proverb that says, and I quote, when you drink from the stream, remember the spring. End of quote. If we drink from the stream of his goodness, we must remember that he is the fountain of every blessing. In fact, when you've drunk from that stream, behave yourself. There's a southern Sutu proverb, and I will say it in English, but I will use euphemism. It says, and I quote, we should not soil the well that we have drunk from. No, no, now I got your nicks. That's what I said. When out I eat your woe, and I get all rappella, Romudimo, Aho, Aho, I cleanse your mind. When we fail to come back and say thank you, that's how God feels. He's the source. We drank from the stream and we forgot the source of the water. We receive help from him. And then we boasted our way around and owned our life as though he doesn't own our life. Let's learn to be thankful and serve him. And serve him. I like what Valerie said. Said, I learned how to sing here. You know, there are many, many people in our church who learn not just singing. No. They learn how to do cameras. They learn IT. Some of you, you learn public speaking from these notes. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's many of you, but you know, we teach on leadership in the church. I've, I've had many people one play Laura. You know what? I'm doing a thesis on what you are talking about. Okay, I'm serious. Some of them, but no, no. I took this thing and I, I reorganized my department. Some of them are sitting in the front row. Bad thing, bad they're not far from here. Took the very notes. Eh? But Salana, when God has done that for us, Eriki Chonkasi so wait. Why Swanse Remontalele man? We English you ring for it. Why can't we serve him with gladness? And count it as a joy to serve him.
Because all we have and all we are, even the gifts we have, you know a gift you never worked for it. Even the gift you have comes from him. Number four, he's worthy of our praise. Verse four says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now here's what's interesting. The Israelites could only experience the presence of God through the Ark of the Covenant. For them to enter his gates and give praise, they had to go where God resided, in inverted commas. But now, because of Jesus, God lives in all of us who place their trust in him. And his presence is everywhere. So we don't need to go to a building to have church. <laughs> we can have church everywhere. As a matter of fact, when Paul talks about it, he says, Bonang, God didn't desire to dwell in a building made with the hands of men. For he said it in times of old, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, I will be their God and they shall be my people. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in you. God dwells in us. And we, when he rises, says, Why don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, we don't have to go to some physical structure to have church. We can have church anywhere, anytime, and we can praise God anywhere, anytime. Why? Because we as New Testament believers, we are always in the presence of God. We cannot escape his presence even at the height of problems, at the height of challenges. God is there around you. Even when you're confused and you don't know what to do, God is there around you. You may not, you may feel like he has forsaken you, but he said in his word, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. God is there with you. For that reason, our attitude should always be one of thanksgiving. One of praise. One of being thankful. And the Bible says we must bless his name. This doesn't make sense. Because normally, a blessing, when we read in the Old Testament, is something that is transferred from one to the other. And it's always the greater who transfers to the lesser. So how can we bless God when he is the greater? How can me, the lesser, bless the greater? You see, throughout the Old Testament, people seeking for God's blessing. Jacob, in Genesis 32, wrestled with the angel all night long and tells the angel, I'll never leave you, I'll never let go of you until you bestow a blessing on me. And the blessing bestowed on him not only blessed him, and made him to be abundant in life, effective in life, but it blessed him and the future generation. So it was the greater giving the lesser. How then do we bless God? Well, the Hebrews understood one thing about this blessing for abundant and effective living, that it could only come from God. Watch this. Therefore, when the blessing is being directed to God, it's not with a view of us bestowing something on him. No. Can't give him anything. 
But in us blessing him, we are simply acknowledging that it's only you, God, who could grant me blessing. So in other words, when he blesses me, I respond in return by saying, I bless you, meaning I thank you. In me blessing him, it's a description or it's an expression of thanksgiving. It's a recognition that he is the sole source of all the meaningful things in my life. I notice that God is a God that can never be separated from his character and his name. I know when he enters my life, he brings all the goodness that he possesses. And for that reason, I look to him and I say, since you came in my life, I am blessed. But because I'm blessed, I just want to say, bless you, my God. I just want to thank you. So when the scripture tells us to bless the Lord, it is telling us to profess, to acknowledge, to accredit God, to recognize him, to confess him with our words, talk about his deeds. And tell everybody, like we heard the two testimonies, only God, only God is the true source of my happiness and my blessing. And when you become aware of this, you have no choice but to thank God. Can I hear an amen? And for that reason, you can never have a good relationship with God and be void of an attitude of gratitude. It's the same way when a goal gets scored, you can't help it but stand on your feet. And when God begins to do things in your life, you can't help it but raise your hands in thanksgiving. It's the natural result of a proper understanding of who God is and what God has done. But if you're living without gratitude, you're living with a deception that someone else is responsible for the good things in your life. So gratitude, therefore, is displayed in the evidence of a proper understanding of who God is. And then number five, it says God is good. Verse five says, for the Lord is good. Somebody say, the Lord is good. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the Lord is good. Look at the other neighbor and say, neighbor, the Lord is good. Note what it says, it says, for the Lord is good and his love is eternal. His faithfulness endures through all generations. Here's why we are to give God praise. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We serve him with gladness. But the good thing is, by his he is good. He is good. He has mercy on us. His truth is without end. Think about it. There is no human being that we can say this about. Good as human beings are, there's somewhere where we fall short. But God is all this. So as I close, there are three ways we can maintain an attitude of gratitude. Three ways. Number one, take note. What do I mean? Live with awareness. Become aware of the world around you and you'll know that there are many people who don't have what you have. I'm telling you, Vazalan. There are many people. You know, sometimes I, 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 I encourage people to travel a bit. And, and if you could, travel on the continent. And of course, other parts, but Africa and many other parts. Poverty-stricken nations. 
<laughs> in fact, now that I'm on it, I remember years ago I had a, a friend of mine visit us, uh, Stephen Mbuana from Malawi. This is way back, uh, oh my goodness, 1985 or something like that. So he, he visited to come preach at our church. And then, and then, and then two things that were very interesting. He, he saw these guys, Bashap and Spansola dance, you know, on television. And, and he says, he felt so sorry for them. He said, why are they wearing oversized pants? Got it? No. <laughs> Don't feel sorry for them. Que style. Que style. That's one thing. So we sorted Spansula out. But then he said to me, when he came to my home, he said, why are you people complaining? I said, what do you mean? He said, we don't have anything like this where I come from. Now, I didn't understand what he meant until I visited. Yeah. You know, one of the things that visiting has done for me was that with all our problems, and not to say we shouldn't have challenged the system, we, it was correct for us to do that. But one of the things I realized as I started traveling is that we have so much more than what other people have. Yeah. So much more. So much more. Those of you who are in, many of you who are middle class people, take your kids to some communities that have challenges. To serve, of course, and to help there. But take them there to go and see. Because many times people complain because they can't appreciate what they've got. <laughs> I tell church people, who, hey, Bazaran, you don't know the challenges that churches are having. There's places where you're not sure that they, what is going to be preached. You, you're not sure. In fact, you're not sure if the service is equal, but you just don't know. And when you come to a church where you at least know you're going to have a parking, you're going to be ushered into a chair, you're going to have a chair, service is going to start on time, things will be organized, at least they're not going to feed you snakes, no grass, the bishop is not going to come and become the prophet of doom, kadoom, You know, it's easy to think that's how the world looks like. See, when you're surrounded with providence, the biggest problem of being surrounded with providence, you make an assumption that the world is like that. You even have the nerve to complain. Yeah. You have children who are driven to school every day, kakuloi. They don't understand a child Otang from Kozola, Ayako Omonde Kaditeksi, who has to wake up early hours of the morning and catch several modes of transport and hike every day to get to school. Yeah. Take note. Take note. There's many people who don't have what you have. Take note. Become aware. Open your eyes for the world around you. You know what it will do? You'll be shocked. And you'll be grateful. No matter how bad things are in your life, there's something you can be grateful for. 
can be grateful. Number two, take an inventory. What do I mean? Don't focus on the wrong things. Focusing too much on the wrong things will make you not to see the good things. I told them the story in the first service. That, you know, one of the days, I think I've told you the story, but I thought I'll say it again for this purpose of the lesson. You know, one, one day we, 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 we hadn't had a, a good time and we, we were not doing well. You know, couples don't fight. They just engage robustly. <laughs> Robust engagement. So just one of those mornings where things didn't go well. She had gone to work and I was at home. I was going to go somewhere later. So I'm sitting at home. And how many of you, after an event like that, you sit there simmering? <laughs> I see the self-righteous people here don't want to say amen. So now I'll just stand here. You know, you're simmering. You still have the aftermath of that. You're boiling. Yeah. How your next matter? You're boiling. And I'm sitting there simmering and I'm, and I'm really angry, you know, and I'm, I'm feeling bad and I'm, uh, and then, and then it was a day when these guys who come pick up the, our rubbish bins, our bins are passing by. So here comes this truck and here comes this guy to come and pick up our dustbin and he's singing his heart out. And it wasn't a good, that day wasn't a good weather. It was cold, it was gloomy outside. It was a really terrible weather. You know, one of those weathers that just the weather in Jay makes you to be gloomy. Besides the robustness, but the weather in Jay. So you can imagine the weather and the robust. I mean, really, it's just too much. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I, and I, and I look through the, 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 the window of the lounge, you know, and I see this guy, he's singing his heart out. He's pushing my dustbin. And I'm sitting there and, and the Holy Spirit says, I am man. And the Holy Spirit says, look at you. Look at you. You mungu preacher, look at you. Here's a guy who doesn't have a fraction of what you have. You are sitting here, feeling sorry for yourself, boiling and steaming and moonmorized. When this guy doesn't have anywhere near what you have. You know that day, I came out of that depression. I was healed immediately. Jesus. Because I realized, Basalana, things will never Bring a heart of gratitude. It's, you can have as many things given to you and you can still be ungrateful. You can have the latest car, the latest style, the latest clothes, the latest everything. You can have the biggest house, the biggest car, the biggest bank balance. You can be on front pages of newspapers. You can have the biggest break in music and still be unhappy. Yeah. Still be unhappy. So gratitude, Barcelona, comes when we learn to take inventory. There are people who feel like, yeah, Namudimu didn't give me gifts and so on. And we focus on what we don't have because we're comparing ourselves with others. I watched something that really blessed me sometime, you know, and and there was this judge who was being interviewed. 
And this judge said something that was really, really amazing. And the judge said, you know, when I went to school, I, I never used to be good in mathematics and arithmetic. And I thought, oh. And then the judge went further to say, I also am not one who is inclined to be an academic. And just says, well, the thing about me is that I love history, I'm a good storyteller, and I can, I can, I can discern character. I can read people. So I went for a career that is suited for my giftings. There are many people who live with a sense of unhappiness and being discontented because they're trying to be somebody else. Gifts and abilities come from God. It's not because we are better than anybody. And there's none of us who has been disadvantaged, comrades. None of us has been disenfranchised, marginalized. There's a gift you have. Usually, there are gifts you have. I found out there are many business people, very successful business people, who didn't go far to school. They didn't even study BCom. Am I But they're making more money than when only BCom. In fact, they hire you to work for them. Yeah, everybody has a gift. Barcelona, take inventory. What is it that God's given you? Can you be grateful for that? I always tell pastors, pastors, can I complain on too much? One pastor I was talking to years ago. He, you know, he have a large ministry, so we were just sharing with each other. And I, and I thought, um, let me talk to him. I said, hey man, we're having this and this. So he looks at me, he says, oh, I've got more problems in my church than you. And then I realized, you know, in life, eh, you never tick all the boxes. It's not always where everything in your life is firing on all valves. There are things that are not going so well, but there are things that are going well. It's almost like, you know, when people go to the gymnasium. I mean, there's people who go for gym and then, and then your, 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 your biceps res respond better. So you have a very big bicep, big biceps and triceps and, and quads and everything. And you look good, Madam Kaba. How about we are anywhere? Look at your neighbor and say, Gary Bishop Ohobon. You know what our problem is? You know what our problem is? Our problem is that the minute we are walking around and people are looking at us, we become more conscious of what's wrong. And somebody says, Man, you have such a good physics, your biceps are but that's just a human tendency to focus on what we don't have instead of focusing on what you have. You have many handsome people, beautiful people who maybe have a maybe you have a mole on your mole on your on your on your face like me. The way maybe for the say you, you have such a whatever and every time you go to the mirror you are going 
You wish that thing wasn't there. Come on now. You have the whole face and you're just focusing on the small and nothing. Look at your neighbor and say, Chwada, Chwada, Chwada. Chwada. Take inventory of your life. What is it that God's blessed you with? What is it that you are capable to do? What is it where the grace of God is abundant in your life? Why don't you focus on that? Why don't you lift up your hands and thank God for that? And say, okay, God, I may not know arithmetic. I may not know mathematics. I may not be an academic, but my God, I can tell a good story. I can read character. So I'm going to follow a career that's in line with my gifts. And can I hear an amen in the house? And finally, take action. What do I mean? Turn your attitude of gratitude into actions of appreciation. In other words, do something for someone else. The highest level of living is not being blessed, but it's being a blessing. That's where God wants you to be, my dear friend. And you don't wait to be a blessing to people when you have everything. You learn to be generous even when you don't have much. Yeah. You know, in our culture, we are taught to share. Yeah. Children, we must teach the little ones. I was telling them, I'm teaching the, the, the grandson to share. I'm using the word, let's do it together. You know, so sometimes I'm not I, 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 I stretch forth my hand. First time he went, yeah, it's mine, it's mine. And I said, Bona, we are eating together. We are sharing. We had resistance the first few days. Then later on, then now he understands when I stretch forth my hand because I let him stretch forth his hand into my food. God is teach the children to share. Oh, yeah. Why? It's more blessed to give than to receive. God to teach children to share and understand. You can give. Here's the good thing with God. You can never outgive God. I'm telling you. Haven't you realized, Bazalan? Oftentimes, you know, the people who are Seinach. If you don't know what Seinach means, ask your person next to you. They are always in lack. You know, there are people who are not generous and they're always lacking. Bashot are always. Always Bashot. But the people who are generous, even when they have been abused by Jetsudi Chalete, I learned something from one preacher. He said, if you can give you an advice. Can I give you an advice? Can I give you an advice? Can I give you an advice? This will help you. I, I learned this. Learn not hukadima nakachelete next time, all right? That's one thing I don't do. Hukadima nakachelete. But there have been times when you hukadima chelete in good faith. And then you realize after six months. I know why I'm standing here. You realize after six months the money is not coming back. Now, now let, me, let me teach you something. This is what this preacher said. He said, instead of being angry and bitter with those people, 
and almost going to the mobile karma or such. You know like about karma, it's not coming back. <laughs> you know that, right? So instead of doing that, decide to give it to them. Now some of you here, you have no conviction, but it's okay. No, no, I'm sharing something powerful with you. Because it's not coming back. There's a point where you realize Muto is, is I, I quickly. It's, it's not, it's not coming back. So instead of being unforgiving, give it to them. Release it out of your heart. Why? Mamelang Basalan, you are putting into motion a spiritual principle. Give and it shall be given to you. When Jesus said, if they, they, they force you, if they say, go with me five miles, and then five miles, they end up forcing you to go 10 miles, I'll go 10 miles. You know, when you read that, it's almost like Jesus, like a doormat. It's almost like Jesus wants us to, to just allow people to, no, 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 no. He says, when they beat to this side, give them the other side. He, he's, not, he's not saying, he's not saying, over exploited. He's saying, instead of being unforgiving, put into motion a biblical principle that will work to your favor. If you turn the other cheek, you are leaving this person in God's hands. If you go an extra mile, if you go an extra mile, you are sowing for your good. So um, I don't know why I came here. I feel like somebody come to a channel and it's been many years. And I quickly listen, in spite of that money not being brought back to you, you're okay. Well, short fellow, all right. So instead of fighting, give it to them. After the service, over phone a What's working? Kitsa ngoke reken today. Moya wa mudimu wila buwa through bishop. Kibona kuri koko blessa kachana te. Oh taring, wa eba blessa. Karkarikana blessa kachana te. I give you that money. When you do that, what have you done? You have put into motion a spiritual principle. Give and it shall be what. You know, Barcelona, there are people who are like that. No, even if you've taken whatever, they get it back. You take the car, they buy another car back. You take the house, they get another car back. You don't know. Marabaso. They will ride it into the ground and they don't know how to get another because they have got a spirit of stinginess about them. Learn to bless, learn to be generous. Because when you are being generous, you are being grateful to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for being a good God. Thank you for the invaluable lessons that we are learning to give thanks to you, to bless you, to have an attitude of gratitude as we make a joyful noise to you. As we serve you, Lord, with gladness. As we say, we know that you are our God. And therefore, we enter your gates with thanksgiving. And we declare the Lord is good. And your mercy is everlasting. We honor you and we bless you. Thank you for the gift of life. 
Thank you that you brought us here today. Thank you that you've given us another day to celebrate your grace and your mercy. We honor you and we bless you. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed, please. I just want to ask in this place, if there's someone here, as you've been listening to God's word, God's word has come to your heart and you realize how much God loves you, how much God is in love with you, and how he wants to change and transform your life. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed, please. If you are here today and you say, Bishop, please, would you pray for me? My life is not where God wants it to be. Please pray for me. I want to invite Jesus into my life as the Savior and Lord of my life. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If that is you and you need the prayer, would you please raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you. Just raise it high. Let me see it. Don't hold back in any way. Thank you for those hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is what church is about. This is what this service is about. God will bring our broken lives to you. Because it's only you who can mend our hearts, can change our lives. Raise your hand, please. Thank you for those hands that are raised. I want to ask those of you who raised your hands, would you kindly please stand on your feet right where you are? Please go ahead and just stand on your feet. I want to pray for you. Just stand on your feet all over the place. That's right. That's right. You can put your hands down, but just stand on your feet all over the place. I think you should give them a better hand than that. I want to ask all those who are standing, I want to pray for you. Would you just make your way to the front? Take all your belongings, please. Your Bible, your bag, your purse. Don't leave any of your belongings behind. And just walk to the front. The ushers will help you and show you the way. And come stand here facing the stage. I want to pray with you. Give them a hand, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give them a hand, everybody. Give them a hand. Thank you, young man. Thank you. Thank you.